Good afternoon. I love doing this. Sitting, the sitting part. And I just want to appreciate, you know, all of you who have come and to sit with yourself. <laughs> right? Come to sit with yourself. Together with all beings, let's not forget that part. <laughs> but mostly, we sit with ourselves. <laughs> Our wonderful, lovely, you know, needy, angry, jealous, awake, joyous, blissful. doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. I think Suzuki Roshi's almost his, certainly his, uh, he made a great effort to help everyone understand that to be yourself, to be as our wonderful head student, Uh, said the other night, to be authentic, to be authentic, to be who we are without having to defend or protect or make up stories and so on and so forth. Just, just let's be who we are and and notice and be awake. until we really realize as deeply as we can, as deeply as life is going to let us, you know, that who we are is not this limited, contracted, selfish, defended, graspy, resistant, small self. You know, we are well, you know, the easiest way to say it is I think everybody understands we are life. We are this ongoing <coughs> flow of life. And someone told me the other day, I thought it was so perfect. They were saying of all the egg and sperm the billions and trillions and quadrillions of possible people who could have been and weren't. Each of us, each one of us, gets a chance to appreciate life. What what an incredible gift. What a mysterious offering. And, you know, so often we feel undeserving of it. We don't even notice that we've been given this gift. We take it for granted. We have so many requirements. (laughs) I have to be a certain kind of way it has to be a certain kind of way. You have to be a certain kind of way. 
so lucky. So um, in uh, Yoko's talk the other night also, she mentioned this phrase that I thought I'd talk about a little bit. Because every time I see you, I think you're Galen. <laughs> I think it's because it's when I, I get a flash of the side of my, you know, and it's shaved, and I think of Galen. It's kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, the phrase to study the Buddha way is to study the self. To study the self is to forget the self. To forget the self is to be actualized by the myriad things. Your body and mind and the body and mind of others drop away and no trace remains. And this no trace continues endlessly. In such, Dogen does this a lot, you know, in four sentences he says everything. So what are we doing here, sitting? We're doing, I was going to say two things, but one thing and the most important thing we're doing is simply being who we are, completely life itself. It's so simple. So simple. And if we can't do that, then what we do is we study, why not? What is coming up that's preventing me from simply being here? Breathing, listening to the rain, having an ache in the, you know, if you, if you sit with your head forward, the top of the back of your neck is going to hurt. Keep it back. But don't cut this off. Just back it up. But we study the self in different ways. We can study the self through the dharmas, impermanence, just watching it come and go, through the skandhas, through many kinds of pointers that are available, Buddhism gives you. And one of the main pointers are the precepts. One of the main pointers is vowing, taking a vow. The precepts become a mirror, a reflection, a container for us to really see when we're coming from a place of karmic conditioned grabbing and pushing away 
Or are we forgetting the self? Are we so familiar with our patterns and our usual drama or whatever it is that we're no longer interested, we're kind of even bored with it? Or more deeply, that we're so thoroughly and clearly have seen these kinds of karmic patterns that, that the seeing of them has allowed them to dissolve and drop away. You know, that, that's actually true. I, I'm assuming that you have faith in this process. That as you sit and you see what's going on in the mind, if you see these patterns, first, first what happens are individual thoughts. And then you, see, you begin to see patterns. And sometimes some of these core patterns arise. And if you see the pattern really clearly, it dissolves because there's no underpinning. There is no separate, core, unchanging self. It's only a thought that we believe. We believe this thought. And as the self falls away, the identity with these particular ideas drop away. And we then can make a shift from identifying with the particular conceptual pattern or the awareness of that pattern. It's just a small shift. And then he says, you're actualized by the myriad things. <coughs> I'm sure you know what this means, right? Instead of thinking of ourselves as a separate entity, separate from life, I mean, really, listen how silly this is. We think we're separate, we're an individual entity, and life is somewhere over there that we're doing, that we're engaging with. Can you feel how silly that is? We are life. We have to be. Where else are we going to be? This whole thing is just one whole event. And so we arise out of these conditions as a particularity for the moment. And then we're gone. There's no separation anywhere to be found. And when we're actualized by the myriad things, body and mind of ourselves, identity with the body and mind drop away. When the body and mind here drops away, body and mind of other drops away. And this is, then it becomes kind of, this is interesting, this part. Then it says, no trace remains. No, there was a translation that also says, also says, no trace of enlightenment remains. 
Now, I've been working with this for the last year or so. I find this part really interesting. And it's one of the reasons, I think you guys know that I'm going to semi-retire, you know. I'm going to be coming in the fall, but not in the spring anymore. And one reason is because 11 years of coming back and forth every three months is, <laughs> has affected my health and also it's tiring and I, I have no idea anymore where anything is. <laughs> and I have two or three of things and that's just... Was fun for a while, <laughs> and now it's kind of gotten old. It's hard to let go of coming here because you guys are so uh, sincere, you know, and you make such an effort to practice, and the practice is so lovely here. What's happening at PCC? It's really hard not to. It's hard to let go and watch from afar what's going to develop. But the other reason is because I am deeply curious. You know, and, and sometimes you can say this path has everything to do with identity. Dropping identities dropping, 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 dropping. And this dropping of identity gets very subtle and very deep. This grasping is very, becomes very, very subtle. It's fabulous. So this no trace it's very interesting because what I believe he's speaking about is there's no trace of self in any way remains, no identity remains. Because life, as he just said, life is what is happening. The whole is what is happening. The flow is what is happening. So anywhere you grab onto any of the flow and create a me in any way, What he's saying is, the habit of doing that is gone. So no trace of any of it remains, which means, now here's the fun part, it means that no trace of awakening remains. That identity also has to be let go of. Now you can't spend three quarters of your life trying to wake up you know, <laughs> and then be asked to let go of that. I mean, really. It's really interesting. But let me tell you, you know, if you walk on this path, you will be asked to give up Everything, everything. You do feel it as a kind of a death. 
psychological death. And um, I've been kind of chewing on this for a while. <laughs> chewing it for a while. When, it, when we were at a retreat together, I had this wonderful insight of myself as nothing, you know, as emptiness. Well, I have to, I have to talk about a little bit of vocabulary. <laughs> this is fun. I hope you think it's fun. <laughs> the path is fun. It's challenging and wonderful and horrible and difficult, and you need courage and humor and. You know, it's messy, and, and you hate it, and you resist, and then you let go, and then there's, you know, peace for a while. Then you make some ridiculous mistake, and then you're left with your personality that you thought, you know, you were trying to <laughs> make it better. No. It's all of it is there, you know. So anyway, so emptiness, let me just tangential for a moment. Tangent. We talk about emptiness in two ways, and we really ought to be clear when you talk about which of the two ways you're talking about. You know, one is what I was saying about the self. It, emptiness means it's empty of. If you just remember the word of, then you'll understand. Empty of a core, an unchanging, separate core. <laughs> And the other uh, emptiness that we talk about really is we're talking about source or the mystery. And it really is a mystery. You, you can't, and, okay, so mystery and then beyond. I want to talk about beyond for a second. Because you can't, it's beyond, okay, well, already. The reason we say beyond is not because there's some kind of castle in the sky, like, you know, for Kansas, Dorothy. Like Dorothy had a, you know, the Emerald City. There's no, what? Oz. Yes. There's no Oz somewhere else. This is also a disappointment. This is like, you know, (laughs) it's funny. You have to laugh. It's the biggest joke. No. Ay, 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 I can't believe it. <laughs> you know, when they say that just this is it, they are not kidding. You know. It's a joke. After all this effort. But it's unspeakably, oh my God. So when they say beyond, it's beyond because words can't reach it. That's all. It's not like impossible. It's just that the words can't reach it. That's all. And it also, okay, so wait, so that's emptiness. 
source beyond. So then this beyond thing is also interesting because we're talking about duality. So sometimes we have experiences of non-duality, which is wonderful, but non-duality is also opposite to duality. So all beyond means all opposites, beyond all opposites, and that's why awakening is over, because awakening is opposed to delusion. Tricky, isn't it? (laughs) It's really interesting. So you can't have an identity that says delusion, and you can't have an identity that says non-dual. Or even, well, here's another problem. So oneness, we say, is opposed to duality, right? Oneness. But then oneness goes like this. See, oneness, duality, or whatever word you use for this, goes like this, see? that. So you have to use a different word. So I've been using the word wholeness, which includes, because everything is included in life, right? It's all included. So oneness and duality are included in this wholeness that, that we are. Is that clear? Very clear, right? So it's really hard to talk about, because as soon as you use words, you're in one thing or the other, and so it's completely wrong. (laughs) So what are we left with? Let's see. Oh, that's right. You know, it's because we think that we're living our own life that we get in trouble. So what really helps on this path is to take vows. And we have someone here (laughs) who in two days is going to example that. Ian is going to be taking vows. (coughs) And taking vows is a very important step in our path, because it really helps us in so many ways. But I want to read something to you that 
I read recently from Sukiroshi. That says a little bit of what I've been talking about, but also talks about the precepts and vowing. I need a softer one. I have it right here. It's Yoko's. <laughs> This was wonderful. So I'm going to read it. So what I'm going to do, let me finish, I forgot to tell you. So what I'm, what I'm going to do on my semi-retirement is I just feel like I need to give this um, taste, you know, to, to, to bloom. You know, I, I feel like I just need to be in a situation more with nature um, where I can, you know, it sounds so zenny. I can't believe that I'm even saying this. <laughs> but I just want to chop wood and carry water. That's all I want to do. <laughs> and just let this, uh, let it show me, you know, everything. or even another way of putting it is just letting life do itself and just see what that's like. You know, I mean, the same, you can do that here in the city. Same thing, it's just harder. And I'm a slow student. So I need <laughs> everything I can get <laughs> to make myself a container to help myself. So, you know, when we vow, we, so in a way, that's what we do. We give over our life to life. We give over our individual awakening to the awakening of all being. That's our bodhisattva vow. That's commitment that uh, Ian will take publicly. And what that does, which I think Ian is already doing so beautifully, really, is it begins to, if you take it seriously, the vow, it begins to simplify your life. You have to begin to align your life with your vow. It can be done as a lay person. I've seen it. But it does help to create a container for yourself with this kind of vow. It keeps your nose pointed. It makes practice the priority of your life. Practice can be the priority of your life in a lay life. You just have to figure it out. There's no better monastic container than family with a kid. 
I mean, if that doesn't make a mirror for you, I don't know what will. <laughs> it's an impossible mirror. <laughs> it's actually easier taking a vow as a priest. Some of us, you know, we're not good enough to be doing this as a layperson. It's just too difficult. I had to put myself in a, an institution <laughs> for <laughs> 11 years, you know. Just people are different. <laughs> I was really, I was terrific. <laughs> I really, I didn't, I didn't love myself then, but I really love who I was, and I love who I am now. Uh, but I was really neurotic. What was I talking about? Simple vow. Oh dear. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Got lost. Oh, yes. One other thing about vow. So the thing about vow is it creates, it, you have a choice on every moment whether you will live your life from your karmic conditioning or whether you're going to live your life from your vow. Ta-da! So don't take any vows unless you mean it. And the vows we take are wonderful vows that come from this one original source. You can say emptiness, you can say mystery, you can say wholeness. I don't know what. Some hundred years from now, America will agree on what vocabulary to talk about this with. Here's Suzuki Roshi. So, a little bit long, it's a page. When I say precepts, what you will think of is something like the Ten Commandments or grave prohibitory precepts. But Zen precepts are not like that. To start with, Zen precepts means to understand Zazen. So another interpretation of Zazen is precepts. How we observe precepts is to practice Zen and to extend our practice to our daily life. So our idea of precepts is completely different from the usual understanding. The foundation or true meaning of precepts is based on the various ways of understanding the one reality, which is always with you. Suzuki Roshi always talks about this. Always he's talking about this. Sorry, Lamar. I, 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 I'm sorry. I, I stopped. I, you, wanted, you were listening. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> uh, so the foundation or true meaning of precepts is based on the various ways of understanding the one reality, which is always with you. The reality which is not divisible into three or sixteen or ten precepts. 
Tentatively, we divide and explain from various angles, but that is just words. Real precepts are beyond words. We cannot talk about it. If we talk about it, already it is no longer precepts. So if you think the meaning of precepts is just to observe various rules, your understanding is very far away from the true understanding of real precepts. So the first of the 16 precepts we observe is, how can I say? One reality, which cannot be divided into three or 16. It's the precepts of one reality. You may call it emptiness, or you may call it the absolute. That is the first precept we observe. All the precepts start from this precept. That is what we receive when we receive the 16 precepts. How you receive precepts is just to practice Zazen. Just to be yourself is how we can observe precepts. It looks like I am talking about something that falls from heaven. He laughs, but it's not so. I'm talking about each one of you and myself and about water and about stuff. When stuff is really stuff, stuff includes everything. When you just practice Zazen on your black cushion, your practice includes everything. And you practice Zazen with Buddha, with ancestors, and with all sentient beings. That is what I always repeat over and over. Whether your practice is good or bad, it doesn't matter. If you accept your practice as your own, then that practice includes everything. At that time, you have precepts which include everything, as the absolute life, including everything. And this is called Real Precepts Beyond Words. He's very good. You should read his stuff. (laughs) He's really good. Well, I think that's all I wanted to say. Oh, I do want to say, Katagiri, um, he says this uh, about that, which I think is really good, because um, we're talking about like tasting the wholeness of life. And then we wonder, you know, how we actually do this in daily life. Well, what, you know, how do we do that with the cup and so on and so forth? This is really important. From beginning to middle to everything, we say in Zen, this was Blanche's teaching over and over again. She always talked about 100% wholehearted practice. 100% attention to the activity at hand. And this is why in a couple of weeks in November, we're going to have a two-day, which is going to be about this very thing. You know, or it is you know, the next two days when you do work practice. This is what we're talking about. Chopping wood, carry water, which is a metaphor for your life, right? Our life is one activity after another activity after another activity. It's not somewhere else, and it's not going to get better. We have to really drop 
the idea of time altogether. This is a kind of a death also, because if you drop the idea of time, you drop the idea of the possibility of you getting better in any way. I know there's resistance in the room. (laughs) I can feel it. (laughs) There's no getting better. Stop it. not getting better. There's just, this is the same thing that I'm mentioning the other day when I said when Suzuki Roshi says to clean the room is not to clean the room. I don't even know if he said it that way anymore. I've said it so often. Something, but it's something about cleaning the room. For, to clean the room, we don't clean the room or something. Do you know what that is? No, that's what it is. We don't clean the room to clean the room. You just do what's in front of you. You know, take out the brush, wash the toilet, put the brush away. Take out the soap, take out the Windex, clean the mirror. It's very simple. I know in in a regular lay life it doesn't seem simple. But you're only ever doing one thing at a time. There's no such a thing as multitasking. There's only multi distraction. <laughs> you know, there's no multitasking. Even if you think you're multi-distracting, you're still doing one thing at a time. You're just flinging it all over the place. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> what am I doing? Oh, category. And I'll, then I'll stop. So how? How do we do this? How do we do just this is it, if that really is the truth of our life? Why don't you guys investigate? See if, the, if there ever is a time you know, when you're not just doing whatever it is that you need to do in front of you, but that you're not paying attention. But if you actually pay attention, then you don't miss your life. And in fact, if we do that over and over and over again, you're bringing the future, the past, you're letting go of the future and the past, you're chopping off time, and you're only being present. And if you do that often enough, you don't look so happy either with this. (laughs) We can talk about it. Um, If you do that often enough, your original mind slowly will kind of begin to creep through because that's where your original mind is. (coughs) It's in the present moment. It's only in the present moment. So that's what'll be there if you're there for it. It's like um, Woody Allen did this fabulous line, you know. Life is really one, how did that go? If you're, this is a great line, something about reality is really terrific if you're there for it or something like that. Okay, never mind. (laughs) So so this is Katagiri Roshi. Living living in vow means we attend 100% to the activities of daily life, or zazen, if that's what you're doing. When the alarm rings in the morning, we get up. 
when it is time to wash the dishes, we do that. We put aside our personal wants and dislikes and in the simplest way respond to what life asks of us. Instead of living by habits, by conditioned responses, we have a guide. We try to carry out our daily routines without trying to satisfy self-centered desires or pushing away what we consider uncomfortable or a threat. We live beyond our likes and dislikes. This is the difference between living by habit or by living by vow. And the difference is total. So, let's continue practicing together. And again, I just want to say, you know, I really, really appreciate that you guys have taken this time out of your life. I know that it's difficult. I really do. Uh, Especially in New York, in the situation that people have. And, you know, on top of that, the complications of our own personal lives. You know, it's not easy. It's really not. And so I really appreciate this. And what I hope is that little by little, as your practice gets deeper and deeper, you understand that your life, complicated or simple, comes out of the practice. Practice is first. And somehow, if you begin to understand that, as I know many of you now already understand, that you will make time for these longer sits. It's imperative. And it's easier to do it together, you know. So I am genuinely grateful for each one of you coming and supporting each other in our basic practice. So let's keep going together. Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by the Brooklyn Zen Center. Our programs are given free of charge and made possible by the donations we receive. For more information on supporting Brooklyn Zen Center, please visit the giving section of brooklynzen.org.